This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 125. Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm recording. Welcome to Strangers and Aliens, the summer movie series where we talk about movies in the general calendar area of summertime because it's not quite <laughs> summer yet. But um, but we're, we're talking about summer movies. We talked about Captain America Winter Soldier last episode. This is Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I've been joined by my good friend and yours, Steve McDonald. Hey, everybody. And we've also brought in another good friend from the Sci-Fi Christian, our first guest of the summer. And that would be Mr. Matt Anderson. Hello, audience. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a new thing I'm trying. How, how's it done? Hello, audience. <laughs> yes, and that's I should nice. say, huge, long-time Spider-Man fan. Yeah, that's actually why I wanted to have you on. Because... Um, First of all, I wasn't sure if Steve or Dr. Jace was going to be able to join me to talk about this. Um, and I, whenever there's a movie that I go to buy by myself, um, I always try and get, bring in a guest. And so, Matt, for this movie, you're perfect. I mean, you're probably about the biggest Spider-Man fan that I know uh, from Christian Geek Podcasting. Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of specific. But, yeah, that's... <laughs> yes, I've been reading the comics... Well, I read them extensively in the 90s, a little bit in the 2000s, a lot in the recent Spider-Man history. So I, I like the history that is sometimes put in these movies. And uh, I've seen, of course, all the movies. Not, not as big of a feat. And Steve's been reading Spider-Man comics since you and I were both, uh, well, before you were born and when I was in diapers, probably. Yeah, yeah. probably. Although I, I actually started, uh, like with the, the Todd McFarlane in the 80s. Was really when I started picking him up. Oh, that's about the time I started too. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah Before with... then, he was he was cool, and I really enjoyed like the the animated versions and the uh, the, the live action uh, series that they had back in the late seventies, early eighties, whatever. Um, so I was I was a big fan of the the video Spider Man, uh, mm -hmm. much more than the print. Well, here's how the summer movie series works. We talk about a movie, obviously. It's almost summer or around that time where this is kind of <laughs> – it's a long summer this year. And I don't – 2015 is going to be insane. But um, <laughs> And the first half is basically going to be us talking about it in kind of vague terms and spoiler-free. Uh, we will then have a spoiler alert played by the spoiler organ that will uh, warn you that we're going to – talk about spoilers we're gonna talk about things in the movie very specifically um so in the first half we actually give our grade and our recommendations who we think would like this movie who we think would not like the movie and talk about um like i said kind of more in vague terms but then when we get to that second half is when we're going to start picking apart characters plots and themes and stuff like that so let's start with our viewing experience uh steve yeah. Tell me, how was your experience when you were watching the movie uh, today? Actually, you saw it. I saw it today. That's right. As we are recording, <clears throat> I'm not watching this it right day. Now. I'm just on this day. Yeah. 
hours, uh, just hours ago. So tell us about it. It was a it was, unique experience, I think. I was in the theater. It was it was unique. I saw it in uh, the the 3D, the IMAX, and where we live, we we're like a half an hour away from uh, one of the biggest screens in in America, I believe, one of the biggest. Uh, uh, you know, commercial screens. I think there's bigger ones. You know, obviously, at corporations and or universities. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But um, it was fantastic. Except that we got in there a little bit late. We we hit Captain America two first at a different movie theater. And then so self made double feature. Self made double feature, and then we jetted over to to see it in the uh, to, at the IMAX. And um, when we got there, it was. They had already started rolling some of the uh, some of the special stuff up, you know, the the beginning stuff in an IMAX thing, and um, it was pretty full. It's opening weekend, so it was it was pretty jam packed, and uh, we got two seats that were that were uh, let's just say a little off center and a little forward. Um, <laughs> we were pretty much stuck in the corner. <laughs> So everything looked really. It was it was a very interesting angle that we had. It was we were like sort of looking at a diamond instead of a a rectangle. But um, uh, it was it was very cool. Uh, with the two movies, my my son who uh, he likes Spider Man anyway. He he enjoyed Spider Man more than uh, the Captain America um, because one of the reasons was because you saw villains that you you would have seen in the uh, in, in the comic books instead of uh, Captain America 2 where basically it's you know agents versus agents type of a bad guy mm-hmm. set up there even though you had you know Arnim Zola and, and you know uh, careful spoilers yeah I didn't spoil anything <laughs> um, you had you know people returning from the first movie let's say um, you know bad guys and stuff but you didn't have, you know, like one overarching big bad guy foe, like you know, like the Red Skull in the first movie was, uh, you know, Captain America versus Red Skull, just iconic. Um, here you had, you know, agents versus agents type of a thing. So he was really happy to see, uh, you know, super superhero versus supervillains, and uh, you know, he really uh, he enjoyed that. He liked seeing Electro, and and you know, he didn't mind the. He's 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 much more fluid when it comes to things like this. He just sort of sees it as a different universe or whatever, and just rolls with it. Where you know, I'm I'm sort of picking nits and saying, well, you know, this guy really didn't work for Oscorp. Well, you know, obviously he. Oh, they just and you know, I just I have to just sort of push everything out of my head and say this is just going to be a brand new experience and just roll with it. So, <laughs> don't you find it easier for Spider-Man to do that with those Steve than you would with other things cuz at least for me growing up there was the Spider-Man live action and then there was the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man and Spider-Man and his amazing friends and the comic books and and then you had you know Spider-Man on Fox, Fox Kids and the, the Toby Maguire Spider-Man movies and so you kind of had all of these <laughs> different Spider-Man Universes, not to mention Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, it's, it's I, analogous to Superman or Batman, where you know it, it's just whoever is is at their helm at that point in time. That's the version you're going to get, and it's going to be different every single time with similar things running through it. So, do you, so but yeah. do you find it easier with Spider-Man than you would with like X-Men? Yeah, because when, when I grew up with X-Men, it was during Chris Claremont's you know run of two hundred issues. Um, so I was used to having one person, one theme, one voice through the whole thing. And when they started to 
to mess with that. You know, I just I bristled. And my wife had to sort of talk me down from the ledge and just say, you know what, this is – just think of it as like a different universe or just like a different dimension or something and, you know, there's similarities. But And I'm like, all right. I, I love it that your wife is having to like dive into these geeky things to like just make you feel better, you know. Um, yeah. So, Matt, how was your, your viewing experience? Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, just in the lowly 2D, Steve, I, I think at the 3D experience. Uh-huh. I guess let me ask you real quick, Steve. How do you think the 3D experience added to the viewing? Um, it's interesting for depth and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I think where you really start to lose it in 3Ds is when you have uh, like something in space where things are so distant that you really can't portray them in 3D. It just it looks much closer than it actually is. Prometheus in 3D was incredible, what? though. What, that was what? a little spoiler for uh, for Spider-Man in here that the final battle takes place on the moon. <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't know that, the moon sorry. in a different dimension. Yeah. What did you say, Ben? Uh, uh, Prometheus in 3D was amazing. I didn't see that. Um, but the space scenes were more of a Kirby space than a Kubrick space. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. You know, there, there's more going on. Yeah. But. So here you had you know the sprawling city, um, and it, you had some really nice views and stuff like that where you could see the perspective and see the you know everything happening in the city from up high. Um, but you know, I mean, then you had the the stereotypical things coming at you on the screen, and you know something falling. You're looking up. And I flinched twice. I did. <laughs> did I did. Do you guys tend to see movies in 3D if you have the option? Well, when I when we get to my viewing experience, I'll explain why. But for this one, I did see it in 3D. I, yeah, I, and I didn't feel like the 3D added much to the experience, um, other than there were a couple visceral things like that where I did flinch a couple times. Yeah. So yeah, I, we have oh. the the IMAX in 3D. So when we see a movie first run and it's at that place, then you know it just happens to be in 3D. Um, and we just – I like the big screen. So, <laughs> so, were, you, so were you alone, good. Matt? Or? Nope. I went with uh, my wife and a group of our friends. So, yeah, big triple dates to go see The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I, I think the group was all excited, you know, both the guys and the girls. So, yeah, overall, good viewing experience. Ben? Uh, I'm going to ask you when we get to some of these details, but especially um, – but well, I'm just going to ask you what your wife thought about a couple different things. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. For by the way, I do know one friend who didn't go with you. Who, if he's listening right now, that's right. He's also a big Marvel fan, so big he does a podcast about Marvel movies <laughs> and TV. Yeah, My friend Daniel Butcher. That, he couldn't pick it this weekend. Poor, poor child. Wow. Poor, poor. He child. wanted me to wait until next week, and and I mean, he's my good friend, but I I just can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we're going to figure out when we're actually going to talk about it on that podcast. But um, yeah, well, so I uh, I only spent a dollar on my ticket because I bought a DVD that I didn't realize had a, a coupon code on it to, for $10 off. So I only spent a dollar, uh, but the only showing that was available at the right time for me to go was 3D. So it was a $11 ticket, but I only had to pay it $1, so I was happy about that. Um, and I got there a little bit late, missed most of the previews, but still got a pretty decent seat. So I was pretty happy about that. Very cool. I was surprised though. This was Friday night, um, 10 o'clock or 10, 15. The theater was not that full. 
I, I was I was pretty surprised that um, it wasn't there weren't more people there. You know, my theater was also not that full, but the theater the the whole building had four different theaters playing it, and so uh, there was like a six thirty, a six forty five, a seven. And I was at the 645. So it's possible my theater was not full because somebody was going to the 630 or 7. But, yeah, I noticed that too. Well, here's the thing. With with our theaters, we have two that are kind of like right on the, the border of our city and the city next to us, South Bend. South Bend being bigger. Um, one theater, they have a, a curfew rule that if you go to a movie that starts after, I believe, 9, um, you have to have a parent with you if you're under 18. And so that's normally the theater I'd like to go to. However, it's also further away. And so Friday night, I'm, I would much rather have gone to that other one because the one that I went, ended up going to is the one without the curfew, which means there's a lot more kids and a lot more, you know, it's a lot louder and, and tend to have more people at the later shows, but they didn't for this one. So I was a little bit surprised walking out. There were two cops just standing at the door. <laughs> make in the theater like inside the actual theater um as as people are walking out i mean and i didn't see any reason for it other than probably because just punk kids you know they might be there <laughs> and they don't have the curfew at that theater so wow that's um, pretty draconian maybe maybe not uh south bend's not the nicest place in the world <laughs> let's put it that way so um okay so as far as that was that was our movie going experience, your movie viewing experience, um, just kind of overall, what were some of your general impressions on the movie, Matt? What'd you think? You know, I had a friend today ask me if he could see the movie, see Spider Man Two before seeing Amazing Spider Man One, and I told him definitely not. The it basically picks right up. Well, I mean not time wise, but the story picks right up from where Amazing Spider Man One left off, and so. I definitely feel like to to get the emotional beats and to really follow the story to the full extent, you'd have to see Spider-Man 1. So, uh, of course, I did. So I, I liked it. I um, Of course, we're going to talk about spoilers more later. But mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was – I mean, do you want, are we jumping into grades or is that towards the end here? We'll, we'll do grades toward the end here. This is just kind of your general impressions. Just So general impressions um, – all right, here's something interesting. This won't be anything that has to do with the actual story, but just something I noticed. And maybe it was my theater, but the soundtrack in this movie was almost its own character, and more than I've seen in a lot of superhero movies or just movies in general lately. Uh, to the point of it, I liked it, but it almost got distracting at some point. So, what do you guys think about the soundtrack? Yeah, there was some stuff they were doing with electro that it was almost like they don't, they couldn't use thought clouds. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a, in a normal yeah. old school comic book, you'd have Electro thinking, ah, I feel mad about this thing <laughs> that happened to me in last issue or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the soundtrack here actually had voice in it for Electro. Totally, yeah, you're right. And, it, was, it was Thought Clouds. And at some points you couldn't really understand what it was saying. At other points you could. Was, I am angry. I'm angry. I'm a heavy metal rapper, angry. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I kept going back and forth about does it add or does it take away? And I think it's just so different that it, on a first viewing, it takes away. Yeah. It, you're, you're, I, it's distracting almost. Exactly. Yeah, it was a little bit distracting. And so I did a little research when I got home. And so the two main composers for this soundtrack were Hans Zimmer, who has done uh, you know, quite a few movies and, and even superhero movies in the past, and then yeah. Pharrell Williams, yeah. the yeah, the hip hop artist, yeah, 
Right. Wait. But they actually formed a super group to do the total soundtrack, and they called themselves the Magnificent Six. Yeah, I saw those. I saw that in the credits, and mm-hmm. oh, we need to talk about the credits too. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, yeah, Hans Zimmer does that though. He teams up with someone else, um, and and works with you know, to get kind of different sounds and stuff. And so a lot of times on his soundtracks, you'll see it's not just Hans Zimmer, but it's Hans Zimmer and so and so. And and just to get like that extra person in there, um, and I really like Hans Zimmer because isn't he the the one who did Batman? Yeah, I think he did the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I now, yeah, I believe I he, he did Man of, Man of Steel and the Bible, the Bible really? miniseries, which I have not seen. Oh, okay. But I love the soundtrack. I own the soundtrack basically because of Hans Zimmer. Wow. Um, and I want to buy the soundtrack. For Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't buy a lot these days. Um, I know you listen to them more than I do, but this is one that it definitely appeals to me. Yeah, I listen to a lot. I really should start keeping receipts and uh, filing them with my taxes for business expenses <laughs> because that's why I buy soundtracks is, is to listen to while I'm writing. And this Amazing Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, it, you know, depending on what I'm writing, this could really – be some uh, be enhancing what I was doing. So uh, another soundtrack I like is the Tron Legacy soundtrack that I think uh, was it Daft Punk that did that. It one? was, but you know who helped them out? Is it was it Pharrell? No, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> oh, was it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no. so, Hans I, Zimmer helped them to get it more cinematic and okay. to help with more of the scoring, some of the scoring stuff. Yeah, the it, reason I even brought it up is because I felt like this soundtrack had s- similar elements to the Tron mm-hmm. Legacy soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, uh, but like you said, a little distracting. I think just on a first viewing because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way you put it; it's kind of its own character. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, Steve, general impressions, or maybe one or two general impressions here on of the movie. Um, I think one of my impressions is there were some things in the movie that. It just seemed rushed. Like it seems like they missed something in the middle of this and that, you know. So maybe when we do the spoilers, I'll, I'll get into more particulars. But um, you know, it just it just seemed like there was like a, a logical progression, and there was a step missed in that logical progression where you sort of fill it in in your brain, and you say, "Oh, okay, well that must have happened." But the thing is. They didn't show it often, you know. It's like mm-hmm. they just skipped that middle thing and just assumed that you would you would put it in yourself. And I guess you know at, at some point you do, but at some point you say to yourself, "Wait a minute, you're you're missing the." I mean, show it, you know. Show me what happens. But this so. movie covers a lot of time. It does. Yeah. I mean, it covers. Over uh, a year. I would almost say over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can Plus you figure a out a lot of the bro- past? Do you guys remember what grade Peter was in in the first movie? Because in this movie, with this is not a spoiler, but just to set the timeline, he's at the end of high school. So they're graduating. And the other cool thing is for the setup of the movie, Spider-Man has been around for a long time doing what he does. Yeah. And the city is used to it. How old was he in Amazing Spider-Man 1? I don't remember. I just remember high school. I think he was supposed to be 16 or 17. I think he was junior. So, yeah, I mean, at most – between the there's only been two years between the two movies, if that Probably maybe the most yeah I think yeah. it's yeah I think it was middle of their junior year in the first movie, 
and then this one starts year. out end of senior year. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to get off track, but I, I missed one more thing I wanted to say about the soundtrack. So I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but they seem to be trying to develop uh, almost a hero theme for Spider-Man, similar to what they did for what John Williams did for Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right now, the song most closely associated with Spider-Man is the one from the cartoon from a long mm-hmm. time ago. And they even used it in this movie a little bit. But well, I, I would say are, overused it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think they are trying to establish a new hero theme for him, which came through a couple different times throughout the movie. Yeah. They failed in the first movie with a hero theme for him. Yeah. Um, well, but this one definitely, when they hit the, the three notes, I forget what they are, but it, you can just sing along Spider Man or however yeah, it went. Who was, uh, <laughs> I mean, who did the Titanic soundtrack? James Horner. Horner. Yeah. He, he did Amazing Spider Man 1, and I felt mm-hmm. like he always sort of sounds similar. And so when I was watching parts of Amazing Spider Man 1, I felt like I was hearing the Titanic soundtrack. So I was glad for the change. I was too. <laughs> I like James Horner. Uh, because when I listen to his soundtracks without the movie, they go together. You know, so the climax for Aliens and Star Trek Two and Cocoon: The Return, it's the same. He doesn't know it. He says he doesn't realize it, and he doesn't really think about his, his soundtracks after he does one. But, um, but in his movies, when you're watching it in the movie, it's distracting because you're like, oh wait, I remember that from mm-hmm. Star Trek Three. Exactly. Or I remember that from because I and part of that is I do listen to the soundtracks over and over again. So I mm-hmm. I know, you know, some of these older ones, especially really, really well. His crawl soundtrack is awesome, by the way. Um, but crawl. crawl. We, we should do an episode on crawl. We should. Maybe just a, a series, like a 20 or 30 episode series. On <laughs> I think crawl. we could spend a half a year on that movie. Um, <laughs> Okay, so for me, my initial impressions, um, I have two things. One kind of goes along with what you're saying, Steve, about the editing. Um, I feel like there was a whole lot of stuff cut out of this movie because this is brisk. This moves fast. There were definitely things cut out because we've seen clips. And this was the same thing they experienced in Amazing Spider-Man 1. There were things we saw in trailers that didn't actually make it onto the screen. That's annoying. Yeah. and One of those things I want to talk about, too, because – it, it uh, I'm glad they cut it out, <laughs> but uh, because it changes it changes the uh, relationships a little bit. But um, the other thing is, this was a really emotional movie. Um, this movie is a character movie, and it's an emotional movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I think really a lot of whether or not you're going to like the movie comes down to do you like the characters, and yeah. are you willing to go along with the characters yeah. on this more so than the plot. This is not. You know, a sci-fi movie where it's like, okay, here comes the big twist. Right. It's okay. Here's the big event that causes emotion. Right. And That's a, this is a great point. This is exactly my thoughts on it. And when you come to how did our friends and wives react? I mean, th- this is exactly what I would have to react to. Um, and so, because of that, it, it's a little, it's a, it's a little different. And coming out of the first Amazing Spider-Man, I really liked Andrew Garfield. And I really liked is it Emma Stone mm-hmm. as, yeah. as Gwen Stacy. I liked their relationship. I liked their back and forth. And I went along with them. I enjoyed watching them. And the same was with this movie where I, I enjoyed spending time with them and seeing them spend time with each other. And and so then, you know, choices have consequences. You know, crazy stuff happens. But it's a Spider-Man story. And this is kind of tying into my next question for you guys this is a spider-man story so it is more emotional it is more about the character it's more about okay 
this guy is unlucky in life and unlucky in love, you know, he's, <laughs> but he's Spider-Man, yeah. you know, when he's Peter Parker, oh, poor guy. But when he's Spider-Man, yeah, yay, cut Watch loose. Out. <laughs> Watch out, here comes the Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> and so I want to ask you guys, is, uh, again, we're going to have to keep it spoiler free, but how do you feel this works with the history of Spider-Man? Not how does it work with the continuity or the canon, but do you feel like you're watching a Spider-Man movie that is grabbing onto what works about Spider-Man? Uh, yes, definitely. And one thing that I think this series of Spider-Man movies has done even better than the Sam Raimi trilogy is they really get Spider-Man's voice right when it comes to his you know, witty sense of humor and just joking while he's fighting. I mean, these two movies have gotten really well. Um, I think, and, you know, this doesn't have to do with canon necessarily, but well, in a sense, they really do um, they play well for audiences that don't know anything about Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but they also pay homage to people that actually care about the history. So, um, yeah, I really like what they're doing. Steve? It's, well, yeah, you touched on it before, where it's Spider-Man. So, however this version of it is going to go, I don't feel as though they um, they did anything you know, egregious in, uh, in whatever the, their, their choices were for this one. Um, so, you know, I think the only Spider-Man that I really didn't like was the one where he goes onto the, what is it, the, you know, the, the planet on the other side of the sun or something where everyone is, you know, from the high evolutionary uh, animal races. Was that Spider-Man Unlimited? Unlimited or something like that. I mean, yeah, it was actually, it makes sense. Oh, the cartoon? Yeah, mm-hmm. when they canceled yeah. that one, the classic cartoon from the 90s, and then that was actually a continuation of that character yep. yeah. and, that, and that canon, but it just was weird. Yeah. And so, I couldn't understand it. And yeah. it is on Netflix if people want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the classic 90s one isn't on Netflix, and it also isn't available to purchase, but they do have Spider-Man Unlimited out there on Netflix. Yeah, but whenever they just take him so radically out of his element that – you know, it, it's just it's not a Spider-Man story anymore. Um, you know, I think one one time they gave him cosmic powers or something in the comic book, and it just didn't ring true. You know, it, it, for a little while and for a time or whatever. You know, as long as they didn't keep it going for you know fifty or sixty issues or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, when they when they keep the character grounded in what the character is supposed to be doing, you know, the whole responsibility uh, with your powers thing. I hope that's not a spoiler. Um, then you know that it works. And I I agree with both of you. I agree with both of you. I, I will say one thing. Um, in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, I really felt like he could be kind of a a jerk sometimes, more of a smart mouth than a witty, smart. You know, mm-hmm. he he just kind of was almost mean spirited with some of his remarks last time, this yeah. time, not so much this time. He's really more heroic and just kind of filling in the costume. He's becoming the hero mm-hmm. that he can be. And again, I like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I liked Tobey Maguire too. Yeah. But um, real quick, uh, who would you prefer to watch as Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield? 100% Andrew Garfield. I actually didn't like Tobey Maguire that much. And I, hated Kirsten Dunst in the movie. <laughs> so uh, the, I, these movies to me are a breath of fresh air. 
Yeah, I guess if if you're asking, you know, would I rather watch those movies or these movies? I'd rather watch these movies. I'm asking, would you rather watch that actor or this actor in, um, in a different movie that's that's really good? Oh, I think, not uh, Spider-Man. No, no. Uh, as Spider-Man, let, let's say it's you could watch the same movie. You're casting. You're casting. Oh, but your you own have to movie? cast him in the movie. Which, who are you going to cast <laughs> as Spider-Man? Yeah. I'll stick with my original answer. Okay. I would probably go with with Tobey Maguire. Um, just because I think he had more of an old school take on Spider-Man, um, where Andrew Garfield has more of a you know a, a modern take on it, which works well and works fine, and it's it's you know he he does a very good job doing it. Um, just personally, I would prefer more of an old school take on it. And I have to say that you guys are both wrong. Nicholas Uh-oh. Hammond. Is who we should <laughs> from the TV show? From the TV show, yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't know that was a choice. Obviously. Well, uh, yeah, uh, obviously. So. And I would say everyone's wrong, and I'm going to go with uh, Stan Lee's interpretation of Peter Parker on the audio for uh, Amazing <laughs> Fantasy 15, which I have, by the way. Stan Lee reading Amazing Fantasy 15. Do you or, have any power records? Do I what? Have you heard of the Power Records audio recordings? Uh, I I know of them, but I, I didn't know Stanley did those. I no, had one. This I'm is sure. I, had, I had a power record. This was done for I think it was like the thirtieth or fortieth anniversary, and it was a box set, and you got a hardcover replica of the entire comic book, not just the Spider-Man story, but the backup stories, the ads, and everything. Hardcover. Uh, you got a Spider-Man ring, metal had a little spider you know insignia on it, mm-hmm. and a. Uh, a, a, a compact disc, a CD, cut around the edges to make it look like a, a web and, you know, red, nice. uh, I think, Spider-Man's face or something. And on it is Stanley is like an interview with Stanley, and he reads the book. And it was so incredibly difficult to play on any of my CD players that I had to play it on a CD player that had a cassette tape attachment to it. And I was able to record it onto the cassette tape because I didn't think this would ever play again. And then I was able to take the cassette tape and put it into my computer using a device that takes cassettes and puts them into MP3s. Nice. So it's just, but it's just this old, you know, old guy. Hey, hey, let's go to the dance. And uh, oh, should I ask uh, Mary Jane to the dance? Uh, oh, okay. Well, here comes Mary Jane. Hello, Mary Jane. And it's just <laughs> Stan Lee reading the whole thing. It's just hilarious. Now I I will throw this out there too. Um, there are a couple Spider-Man rock albums. <laughs> um, and one of them, Spider-Man Rock Reflections of a Superhero. It's got songs like Peter Stays and Spider-Man Goes. <laughs> no One's Got a Crush on Peter. Wow. Um, Dr. Octopus has two songs of his own. A Soldier Starts to Bleed, which uh, references the uh, the death of Gwen Stacy storyline from the wow. comics. Um, and there's another one. Well, there's Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Um, and then the Did other one turn that off or? yeah it's gone it's gone wow. uh let's see the amazing spider-man what's that called here i can't see the a rock comic rock the amazing comic. spider-man a rock comic from beyond the grave wow yeah i don't know uh, that one i got on itunes rock reflections of a superhero i bought on cd um, i think maybe 15 years ago and it is crazy it's so crazy. <laughs> and Stanley provides narration between each song. Awesome. 
So, okay. So let's get into this then. Um, who, well, first let's grade it uh, from A to F. C being average, A being amazing, and <laughs> F being total failure. Um, a to F, what do you give this Spider Man, or Amazing Spider Man 2? And we'll start with Matt since he's their guest. Yeah, I, I definitely liked it, but it had its weak points, so I'm going to go with a, a B, solid B. Okay. Steve? I think I'd go with a B minus. You know, it was uh, fun, but, you know, ultimately I think it had too many flaws to really put it up into the upper echelon of, uh, of uh, comic book movies. And I'm going to give it a B plus. Um, editing and some of the script. There is some not so good lines in this movie. And, <laughs> and there's some movie logic happening where it's like, this yeah. must be. I'm not going to say why it must be. It just must be because I figured it out from these clues that honestly don't quite fit. Right. But, um, okay. So between my B plus your B minus and Matt's B, uh, amazing Spider-Man two gets a solid B solid B. So, so I think it's just about time for us to, uh, move into spoilers. One last question. Who would you recommend this movie to and why? Steve? I'd recommend it to Spider-Man fans um, or, you know, people who just every every time they go to see a movie that's based on a comic book character, they like it. They'll like this one a lot. Um, Spider-Man fans should like it. Uh, you know, there's a lot in there for um, purists. You know, it has Gwen Stacy. It doesn't have Mary Jane or does it? You know, I mean, his love interest is, you know um, – is Gwen Stacy, so it just harkens back to the old ones, the old uh, the old comic books, the originals, um, and you get a, you know a, a good glimpse at, at least of a bunch of of, uh, of the bad guys from the comic book. Uh, you know they didn't make up bad guys for the movie, um, and it's you know it's it's Spider Man fighting supervillains, which is you know if, if you like it, <laughs> that's what you like. Matt, yeah. Yeah, same thing. I'd definitely recommend it to people that like fun action adventure. Um, super, if, you know, if you're a superhero fan, of course you'd like it. With the caveat that I think you should see Amazing Spider-Man one before seeing this one. Yeah, they don't do quite as good of a job as Winter Soldier did as far as giving you the backstory. Um, they give no, it to you, but they it's implied. Right. I mean, I think they just know most people know the story of Spider-Man. But it's not just that you need to know Spider-Man's origins. You need to know story plot points from the first movie. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So – and for me, I recommend it to – well, I'm, I'm just going to repeat what you guys said. So I might not even say anything because <laughs> if you like superhero movies, this one's a pretty good one. Um, as far as the summer movie series goes, this is probably second best out of two. So out of two so far. It's not saying a lot. <laughs> Definitely the second best superhero movie I've seen all summer. We'll see what happens between uh, the four Guardians of the Galaxy and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then these two, Captain yeah. America and Amazing Spider-Man 2. We'll see and how it class? stacks up. Oh, and what? First, first class? Did you oh, that's right. X-Men. You're right. So there's five this summer. Mm-hmm. So if this you're counting is... the superhero movies, where do you think this will rank just as a, an early projection? Looking at what's coming out, yeah, I think this will rank above Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, below Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain America and X-Men. Honestly, I, that's probably how I'm going to feel about it. 
that's not to say I didn't like it. I mean, I gave it a B plus mm-hmm. and it resonated. The characters resonated and the, the emotions that I was supposed to feel, I was feeling yeah. as, as things were happening. So uh, that's not, it's not a bad movie. Um, I'm just projecting that I'm going to like these other ones more, especially mm-hmm. X-Men. I could, I can more solidly say I'm going to like X-Men more probably because of first class guardians of the galaxy. What I've seen of um, the, the director, I can't remember his name, James Gunn. Yeah. What I've seen of his work, he's, he's good. He, he's talented. He knows what he's doing. I'm not all that impressed uh, content wise sometimes with what he's doing just the way he's telling stories. So we'll see with that one. Yeah. And Mutant like- Ninja Turtles. I actually expect a like, <laughs> wow. but not much. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting, I, I, I don't know what to expect out of guardians of the galaxy. I, I, what I see looks fun, but at the same time, sometimes something that looks fun can translate into, you know, not very fun over a two hour period. I'm not expecting to like teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Um, so and I'm expecting to really like uh, X Men, so this this will probably for me probably be the the third in the middle. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm. I think mine's gonna sound similar. I love Spider Man, but historically, I haven't loved the movies. I like them. I always kind of think they're middle of the road. So, um, Captain America is gonna be hard to beat as best superhero movie of the summer or the year. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be Cap, X Men. I'm optis I'm I'm optimistic about Guardians. I mean it could go it could be a huge hot mess, who knows. But I think I'm optimistic. I think it's gonna be good. So um yeah, I'll rank it as fourth of the main superhero movies, not counting Ninja Turtles because I think that's gonna be horrible, probably. <laughs> I'm gonna I mean, sadly, since I love the cartoon, I'm gonna see it in the theaters, but I have zero expectations. Wow. I but see that's why I think I'm going to end up liking it. I don't have much ex- expectations going in, but I think it's going to live up to that. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I really think that more so than like Transformers. Transformers, it has it has a big fight ahead of it to, for me to like it. Um, mm. As long as they can just kind of keep out the casual racism and sexism. <laughs> um, they wow. they might get there for me, but I guess I never caught that in the originals. Well, of course, I didn't really watch the originals. So, uh, but, <laughs> no but Mark deal. Wahlberg, Marky but, Mark yes. is in there, right? If you say yeah, so. Yeah. So, all right, we need to talk spoilers so we can um, <laughs> really get in the nitty gritty. So let's do, let's do it. Let's play. Let's play that spoiler organ. Spoilers. 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 Okay, so there – I feel like there's a lot of things we could talk about. I don't know where we want to start. Do you guys have a, a thing you want to go into right away that you've just, you're burning to talk about? You know, we may have been able to talk about this pre-spoiler, but I didn't want to bring it up in case – you were against it, but you had started talking about the credits and, and I thought you're maybe heading towards the mid credit scene. I was, I was, we could have, we could have. It's just a good warning for people because, uh, I, for one stayed all the way to the very end, hoping that there would be some sort of end scene because I believe, uh, amazing Spider-Man one did have a 
post credit scene. Yeah. I think it's the so, guy with the hat. Yeah. Yep. The man in the shadows. They mm-hmm. actually give him a name in the credits finally, so we can talk about that. But yeah, I, I think it's an important warning to people, if you're still with us here, that <laughs> there is no Spider-Man post credit scene, but they, for some reason, well, I know the reason, they have an X-Men commercial in, in the mix. Okay, tell me the reason, because I don't know the reason. Yeah. All right. Here's the behind the scenes. So as you guys probably know, Sony owns the rights to the Spider-Man movies, yep. whereas Fox owns the rights to the X-Men movies. Yes. So some people have been thinking that by showing this X-Men scene that the studio is trying to announce they're going to do a Spider-Man X-Men crossover, which is totally 100% false. But well, the reason this happened is because Fox had a deal uh, after 500 Days of Summer with Mark Webb, the director, to do another movie. But he had to not do that because he signed on for all these Spider-Man movies. And so as a deal between the studios... Uh, Sony agreed to play an X-Men commercial, basically, for free in their in the middle of their credits. And that's the whole reason, just for Mark, uh, just for Mark Webb. That's that bizarre. is stupid. <laughs> that, yeah. Is that serious? Yeah, that's that's the that's the <laughs> official reason. I mean, it's not like I doubt you on an, on a regular basis because, you know, you usually have the voice of wisdom here. Exactly. But where did you read that? <laughs> Uh, I'll try to track down uh, some uh, an official announcement or article for you guys for your show notes. But and yeah. it's not that I'm doubting you. It's that I mean, <laughs> no, no. Here's the here's the thing, Steve. Is I mentioned this and someone said, "Oh, didn't you know that there was all these behind the scenes?" And I didn't. And so people have been talking about this behind the scenes stuff. I just didn't catch it. And I think that that's ridiculous because. Well, okay. Um, the Marvel movies in general and superhero movies in general now have post-credit things. That's part of the storytelling engine mm-hmm. yeah. that they use. And this totally subverts that. Um, worse than Avengers with uh, the secret scene after Captain America where it's basically just a trailer for the Avengers movie. Right. Um, this is one step worse than that because it's <laughs> – another studio and it's not even connected <laughs> yeah exactly okay i've got the i've got the source article here from variety uh, okay. where they have the exclusive and so this is the the real deal so um I'll, i'm just gonna save this link here for you so yeah this is this is wow. for real that's amazing okay amazingly dopey yeah wow what what i was <laughs> i think the most striking thing and and I, I, I don't mean the, a pun intended there, is um, how Gwen Stacy dies. Because, you know, you're expecting something similar to what's what went on in the comic book. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with the falling and the, the, the web and all that stuff. And the web catches on to her. And then you get this icky thump. You know, where when she hits the ground and you she just doesn't like, hit the ground. That's yeah. not an icky thump. That's an icky crack. No, no, no. She, she hits they, the end they, of the web. They changed it for the movie, Ben. So it's usually, uh, you know, if you know the history of the comics, it was a similar scene. Gwen's falling because of the goblin, but the Norman Green Goblin, right. Norman Osborn, that is. And Spider-Man tries to save her by uh, catching her with his web. But when he catches her, her neck cracks. And so it's a huge scene in the history of comics but in the right. movie they changed it so that instead of spider-man being responsible she n- nails the back of her head against the ground at the last yeah. minute and no that didn't happen. yeah i did yeah. not see her hit her head i saw her i mean he catches her by the belly okay 
And so when she hits the end of the web, her body is snapping in two, basically. No. I, I, okay, she hits your head. It's I actually bug. agree with Ben. You know, ben, on my first view, and I agree with you, but I was with a group of six, well, six kind of myself, and all of them universally told me that they saw her head hit the ground, and then he pulled her up a little bit to go check on her. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was waiting for the neck crack because I knew the scene. And yeah. um, so I guess how they change it, uh, and this isn't anything official that I've read. I'm just trying to put it together. I'm guessing they wanted to take the blame off of Peter and put it solely on Goblin. Okay. Well, first of all. Or physics. <laughs> <laughs> no. First of all, it doesn't change the blame because – she wouldn't have fallen if it wasn't for Goblin in either case. And he's trying to save her, but can't. That's the, that's the whole thing with, with, for me with Gwen Stacy is he's trying to save her, but there, it's just physically impossible for him to do so. So in this, either the web hits the end, in my case, where I, I thought it was she hits the end and it's just whoomp. And, mm-hmm. and her, you know, because the web is in the middle of her body. And it's, uh, you know, it's just the weight of her body when mm-hmm. she when she hits the end of that or hitting her head. It was a physical impossibility in the comic. It's the same thing. If he didn't shoot the web to catch her, she's just going to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to die if he doesn't do anything. So he has to try and it just causes a different way of her dying. Yeah. And, and this, I mean, so, and, I know- and that's either way. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree. So I knew I knew the history of the comic, and I thought that maybe eventually the movies would do this to Gwen. I was really hoping, because I love the actress Emma Stone, and I think she's great to this series, I was really hoping they wouldn't do it here. Or, and <laughs> But as soon as Spider-Man says, all right, I'm going to London with you, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, they tried to do a few fake-out scenes when they were up there on top of the bridge, because originally that's what she was thrown off of, not a clock tower, but a bridge. And, and uh, so I thought maybe it would happen there. But, oh, man, when I saw her falling, I was just hoping, please, no, not here. And even though I've known the history of Gwen for years, I still was caught up in the moment, just really hoping. And and this is one of the main reasons that my wife, I think, had some negative feelings about the movie is because she also really got attached to these characters. And so she just felt sad afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I have um, – I uh, I – looked it up in wikipedia so it's you know consider the source but it, it says uh the death of gwen so we uh, have was, two guests from sci-fi christian yeah i know <laughs> exactly, <laughs> welcome exactly. welcome wikipedia or should i say just wiki mizpedia um <laughs> it says uh during the battle uh gwen falls through the building spider-man manages to catch her by the waist with webbing but with the momentum created from her fall her back is snapped by the web, causing the back of her head to smash on the concrete below. Oh, man, so they're saying up. both. So her they're... back snaps and her head hits the ground. So I was her... trying to figure out what they were trying to tell us by the the nose bleeding because I don't think that happened in the comic, did it? That means the... that means she's dead. That was the movie language saying yeah. it's over. Okay, and okay, he 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 has her in his in his arms, and he apparently she's dead or dying. And he doesn't do the kiss of life. He doesn't do, you know, chest compressions. He doesn't do anything. Because breath of life and chest compressions are going to really help a broken back and smashed skull. But you don't know. At that point, I would do anything and everything. There's electricity all over the place. He just fought Electro. 
you know, or maybe the, there's not any in the bottom of the clock tower, maybe. But still, I'd look for something. Shocker back to life. Something. No, she was dead. No, I know. But the, the thing is, he didn't do anything after the fact to, to do. I mean, he held her. <laughs> I just I was like, do something. And nothing ever happened. There were scenes like that where I didn't. They, I, I thought it was <laughs> the whole so, time they did a good job at foreshadowing this. So now that we know the end, you know her graduation speech spoke mm-hmm, right. to. It was almost as if she was like, saying, "When I'm gone, this is what you need to remember." And then, of course, with her dad appearing in those visions, right. uh, I thought that was well done. Our time, was- our time here on Earth, is a big theme in this movie, and yeah. so I kind of with with Amazing Spider Man just having Gwen Stacy instead of um, Mary Jane in the first movie, I kind of expected her to die in this movie. I kind of went into this movie expecting her to die. Um, For some reason, I thought they'd do the third, but yeah. Well, because the third is going to be MJ. And, no. and, and they've, they've had lots of time. I mean, this, this movie covers, you know, another year or almost a year after, after she's died, you know, in five minutes, we get three seasons. Um, but what you do with your time here on this earth, we start out with that speech of hers while he's fighting um, the guy who's going to become Rhino. And that's where I started thinking, okay, I'm right. She's going to die in this one because it fits. And and the theme of, you know, that time theme that she dies in a clock, in a clock tower. Yeah. I mean, that's just really hanging the lampshade on it. Um, but I actually felt like, okay, good. There's actually a thematic element here that's carried from first scene to last and i was really happy about that mm-hmm. and far more happy than the last scene of the first movie which we'll not talk about here but i had some real problems with that as an english teacher um <laughs> but you can listen to our other our, our other episode about the amazing spider-man to, to did you that. notice so i thought the clock was a good um good usage visually just because it kind of the clock exploded which is basically telling you this is the end for mm-hmm. her uh, but also did you see what time it was right before it exploded well, it it went backwards. I couldn't. No. Well, well let me tell you this. It? it was it was one twenty one, and oh. uh, Gwen Stacy died in issue. <laughs> amazing, yeah, amazing one twenty one. Nice. That's nice. I yeah, like that. Good. They did a good job at respecting the fans and those that really care about those little Easter eggs. Um. Okay, so that's Gwen Stacy. Anything else about Gwen Stacy? And then then we can move on to Electro. Oh. You know, uh, you had mentioned Mary Jane, so I think it might be interesting for the audience just to know if if you hadn't heard this already, they did <laughs> shoot scenes with an actress that they cast as Mary Jane. Do you guys know about this? I do, I do, and I was waiting for those scenes to happen. Well, yeah, well, I knew that they were cut out. So basically, uh, months ago, they announced that they were going to be cutting those scenes out, and I can't remember the actress's first name, but her last name is Woodley, and she's the main actress in the Divergent series right now. Uh, and so they cast her they shot almost all of her scenes uh but then mark webb decided he wanted to really focus in on the relationship between gwen and peter and thought that the inclusion of mj was going to be taken away from that and so they cut her scenes and now because of her involvement with a divergent uh not trilogy now now it's four movies uh they don't know if she's gonna be able to come back they probably have to recast mj yeah i'm glad they did that though because really what happens then is you have this whole movie and it's peter and gwen MJ's over there. Yeah, maybe they're friends. Maybe all three of them are friends or whatever. Or maybe she's just the girl next door. But as soon as Gwen Stacy dies, you're like, oh, it's okay. Peter's yeah. got another backup exactly. just waiting. You know? 
Well, all the scenes I shot, she already basically spilled the beans on it, that they were all just in backyards. And so I think they were going to make her the neighbor. And so maybe a longtime friend of Peter's and, and uh, yeah, but you're oh, right. I'm another like, longtime friend that we didn't see in the first movie. This, <laughs> this is a great point. I know you want to go to electro next, but it might be, I mean, this is a great, okay, wait, before that, this. before that, let me throw this one last, last little thing out. Emma stone is a redhead playing a blonde. The girl playing MJ would, would have been a blonde playing a redhead. That's just, weird. just throwing that out there. That's the only thing I knew about MJ. Wow. Uh, okay, okay, so you want to talk about um, Osborne? Let's actually, yeah, let's do Osborne because this is so interesting. There was tons of scenes involved with Oscorp in the first movie, and it never once came up that he's actually childhood friends with the owner of yeah. the company's son. <laughs> how, how, did that, how did that not come up? Uh, you just don't bring up that. You know, you, that's just name dropping, you know? Such a long time ago. <laughs> They never really explained how he got to be friends with Harry, you know, uh, how they kept in touch. There was a scene where Harry was like, oh, that's typical Parker. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? You knew him when he was 10. There was a lot. Uh, he well, had a unibrow at 10. I did. <laughs> I had a unibrow at 10. Uh, so, there were there were a few different lines like that, though, where they just kind of throw it out. Like, like that, that always happens. Yeah. And we never, you know, there was one... Um, when Gwen is talking to Peter and she's like, you, you've done this to me time and time again yeah. where you'll pull close and push me away. I and I'm just like, well, you. no, we've seen it happen once at the end of the last movie and once in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's not time and time again. That's like twice. <laughs> time and time again makes it sound like it's just this constant recurring thing. And we, hit, we get no indication that that's what's going on. And there was you've another line. To me like twice now. Yeah. And then that, you know, typical Peter. Yeah. I remember when I was 11 and he was 8. And, oh, man. <laughs> he yeah, always so probably, did this kind of thing. He's complicated. That's, that's the biggest plot hole to me that just – that's a huge oversight. And that's why it can't be – you know, when you say an A movie, that's, I mean, really little mistakes. This is a huge glaring hole in their story. You want the fix? Let me give you yes. the fix. The fix is he was friends with Harry Osborn but didn't know he was Harry Osborn. Yes, that would have been fine. And so Not, he sees he sees him on the news and is like, wait a minute, that's my friend. I, I knew him from age 8 to age 14, and then he left. But, you know, 14 because they're still recognizable between 14 and 20 or whatever. And and there's your fix right there is um, he was Harry Osborne. I knew his name was Harry, but he his last name wasn't Osborne when I knew him. Exactly. I actually thought it might go a direction like that because there's just no explanation as you're watching the movie for how did he not put that together in the last movie when he was investigating Oscorp. Yeah, it just – that didn't make any sense. Now, that's a scene they they cut out of the trailer though is Oscorp investigating Peter Parker. The trailer had had Harry Osborn saying – They've been following you, Peter. Yeah, why have they been following you? Or why have they been following me? I don't know. And almost you, you get the impression that if if at that point Harry Osborn now from the trailer I mean doesn't know that Peter is Spider Man, Harry's an idiot. <laughs> and so I'm so glad they cut that scene because at least now it makes sense for him to say, Okay, you know, I need I know you know Spider Man because of you take his pictures, which happens, you know, people always would go to Clark Kent to find Superman. Why? Because Clark Kent would write about Superman in the newspaper. And so it makes sense. Right. 
and they do that with Peter Parker, who he's the one guy who takes the most pictures of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And even in the comics, then this goes back to those McFarlane issues that that I started reading in the eighties. Um, he had a book that he, <laughs> Peter Parker, Spider-Man, puts out a book of his photos of Spider-Man. Yeah, um, and goes on a book tour, and it's a New York Times bestseller. Um, uh, not the best secret identity identity ing in the world, but <laughs> you know it's comic books. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's just uh, yeah. this whole uh, Harry Osborne thing. Um, it, it, it's complicated. It, it makes things complicated. You know, this probably won't come up later, so I was going to throw it in right here. So while we're talking about Harry, there's a right at the very end, right where Harry looks at Gwen and then looks at Spider Man, and he's starting to put it together. He says to Spider Man. Uh, this is why you told me Spider-Man said no to my blood. It's because you're Spider-Man. But that scene that he's talking about never actually happened. We had a scene where Spider-Man went to Harry and said, no, I can't do it. But he says yep. to Peter, you told me Spider-Man said no, but you're Spider-Man. So he, I mean, it's a little it's a little nitpicky, but that. No, that's make- a problem that you're absolutely right there. I love, though, the moment before the script goes wrong there of <laughs> him looking at at Gwen then looking at Spider-Man and putting two and two together. Yes. And that was awesome and I was with it and then all of a sudden what you just said um that's not even a that's not even a I'm insane now so I got my details wrong, you know, <laughs> because of my insanity. No, that's just you're just wrong, pal. You just yeah. Now he was drunk. Well, um no, he Maybe. was drunk with Spider-Man. He wasn't drunk with Peter. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. What, everybody should see Spider-Man talking to Gwen and be and have some red flags because there's another scene where Gwen was at the barricade and looking over and everybody else had run away, but she's still hanging out just to check out the action. And Spider-Man goes <laughs> and talks to her a little bit and he's like, okay, got to go now. Okay, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is again a little obvious. But that's that felt true to the Spider-Man I know from the comics. You, you know, and it, those moments they happen, um, and that's that's one thing I'll, I'll give this movie is it feels like to me it feels like old school Spider-Man storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing it doesn't have that an old school Spider-Man story would have is the real connection between him and the villain. Um, yeah, where usually the villain ends up being someone somehow from his life like uh, with him and Electra. I mean, Electra. I mean, yeah, Electra. But I think there was so much flack that the first one caught because everything was interrelated to everything else. I mean, it was it's a small, 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 small world, you know. When everything, his girlfriend's uh, works at the place where the yes. lizard is, and her father is the, the the chief of police, and you know the whole thing was just like this tiny, yeah. tiny little. Bubble. And the lizard was partners with his father his <laughs> yeah. and so his girlfriend works with his dad's former partner yeah who is going to become the villain that he's going to fight and who's going to end up killing Gwen's his girlfriend's father yeah um i didn't think about the connection though between the father's deaths gwen and peter's deaths gwen's father's and peter's father's death is both connected to somewhat to um to the lizard 
Although it doesn't actually show Peter's father's death on screen. No, but Peter's father's death is connected to the lizard because of Oscorp, not because right. he, right. not because the lizard did anything. Right. Uh, but that, that is, I mean, that's just that uh, an even, even closer circle, though. Yeah. Um, so, I did think the opening scene was a pretty great scene oh, man. to set the stage and get you back into the intrigue and kind of the espionage. Yeah, yeah. I, I did wonder. They're on the run. And they're chartering a private jet. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, who are these people that they can just be the sole passengers on a private jet? Yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, the guy comes out of the 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 pilot's cabinet there, and he's washing his obviously bloody hands in the sink there. I mean, was it just to completely telegraph, hey, it is. I'm about to kill you? It, it is, because that's where he just, look, we both know. We both know. It, I, I think he just doesn't care. I don't know. It just, it seemed, to have him come out and just to to be in the uniform and to, you know, make the small talk and everything, it, it was just like, why wouldn't he just come out with a gun and say, hey, look, you know, <laughs> we, we both know. He's, he's so. playing with his... Playing with his food, you know, like a cat. Uh, I don't know. I think Steve is right. I think the dad could appear in future movies, but they wrote it in such a way that if they can't get the actor back, they've kind of tied up that loose end. But the dad's plan was kind of horrible, if you think about it, because <laughs> the the mom and you know Peter's mom and dad are there, and the big thing they have to do, life or death, is send this video file to Roosevelt, whatever that is, what we now know, but right, at the right, time. Right. We- and then we end up finding out it's a hidden railroad station or subway station, and no one's gone there the entire time they died. Peter barely came across it. Uh, I mean, yeah, not necessarily the greatest place to hide something if it's almost impossible to find it. Yeah. And where did where did uh, what's his name Richard Parker whatever where did he get all the amazing amount of resources to to do everything? I mean. To basically, yeah, build a bat cave. No, that's what I'm saying is they've got a, tr- a private jet. They're on the run, but they're chartering a jet. They've got the Roosevelt Station. There, there has to be some more backstory to who they were working for. They were working for Oscorp, but I think that they were also had some sort of government agency on their side. Hail Hydra. Yeah. Do you guys know in the comics, wasn't there some connection to – to the Parkers and Shield, yeah, they were like super spies, yeah. Okay, um, okay, so I, I got, I got. <laughs> this movie steals from other movies. I, I'm just gonna say that outright. Um, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man Two, steals from the original Superman with um, the rescue of planes. That, uh, but the, that plane scene also reminded me of Batman: um, The Dark Knight with the boat scenes. Where it's like we're just cutting away from our main character to go to this other place where other things are happening and he's you know, inadvertently rescuing people or whatever. But you have just this this the story of the two planes and the, the control tower in the power outage. You can that cut was, that completely and you wouldn't even notice it was gone. Exactly. That that was one of the worst parts of the whole movie, I thought, because there were no stakes. The heroes didn't know that there was a time crunch. They didn't know these people were in danger. And then the end result is they I mean, they do get warned, but also they side to their headlights. <laughs> and so they're just like r- moving really quickly. Uh, uh, I, I, it, it just it, it was a, a mini story arc, you know, like Dark Knight. 
Dark Knight has that mini story arc with the boats, but I cared when that was happening and I didn't care here. Um, I was also reminded though of Superman rescuing the plane in the first Superman movie, Iron Man two, where the dad leaves a, a film of himself for his son that he's filming while his son is nearby and doesn't even in Iron Man two, I think that, that Tony actually calls his dad or something while he's filming. I think, I think he's right there, but if he's not, it's, it's so similar there. That is true. And finally, and this will lead us into Electro, Batman Forever with Jim Carrey as Edward Nigma, who adores Bruce Wayne so much. Not Batman, but, but Bruce Wayne. And that just becomes this kind of twisted obsession with Bruce Wayne. And here it is. Electro is just, well, not Electro. What's his name? I don't remember his name. He would hate me. Because I don't remember his name. <laughs> Jamie Foxx? Well, Jamie oh, Foxx, but the character's Max name. Dillon. What? Oh. Max Dillon. <laughs> Max Dillon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Max is obsessed with Spider-Man. In fact, he's one of the people who call the radio show. The talk radio. Superman saved my life. Or Spider-Man saved my life. We're best friends. You know? Um, and so it just reminded me of Batman Forever. Oh, so much. With the way that um, Edward Nigma was obsessed with Bruce Wayne and tried to look yep. like Bruce Wayne and act like Bruce Wayne, yep. um, so let's talk about Electro. I think Electro borrows a lot from um, Doctor Manhattan of the Watchmen. When I was watching Electro doing his stuff, and there were some really good special effects for him too, especially when he was like, you know, dematerializing into electricity and then going into something or rematerializing. Um, I thought, you know, the, well, first of all, you know, stereotypically there's some energy event that causes him to get his powers. Um, and you could say that for almost any character mm-hmm. that just gets powers throughout time. But, um, you know, very similar to Dr. Manhattan, you know, trapped in something and the, the power overwhelms him, of course, and then uh, he gets this. This, I mean, he's blue, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, there, there was just a lot of similarities. He's bald. Uh, a lot of similarities that I found to. to Wasn't Doctor naked Manhattan. though. He had swimming trunks on. Yeah. Why would I mean? I'm glad he did, but <laughs> why? Why would that be like the first thing that comes to your mind? You know, hey, I'm rematerializing electrically for the very first time in my entire life. Oops, better get some swim trunks on. Well, I mean, just, you know, and then later on he has a full body suit that looks the which same. Is, but. Which is cool. But the thing is, you know, it's it's his first time. I mean, when the when the Terminator, you know, first comes to our time, he's he's buck naked. So, <laughs> you know, it's there's there's we've seen it before. It's not like it's that much of a big deal in a PG-13 movie. I mean, you can show him from, you know, behind or from the waist up or whatever. But I don't know. It, it just is a weird choice for yeah. for that that element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you'll see, though. I mean, with Electro, his origin story is basically Peter's. Um, mm. You know, he's bitten by <laughs> radioactive, <laughs> radioactive eels. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's an Oscorp experiment on animals that bites him. That's Peter, right there. I mean, yeah. it, and so he wants to be Spider Man. Doesn't know that he actually is becoming Spider-Man. And I felt like he was a little too goofy, but the first scene where 
Spidey actually is trying to talk him down. That was a great scene. I really liked the way that whole thing played out. And he's, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm here. You can trust me. You know, it's okay. It's okay. And he's not being a jerk. He's being a little goofy, a little funny. (laughs) Spider-Man is, but he's not. You get the impression he actually cares about the people he's helping in this movie, which is, which is nice. And he's not just out for vengeance. Right. To find the guy with the, with the tattoo, which nothing of that was in this movie trying to find I'm the guy yeah no, i'm glad for it i mean it shows he's moved on yeah well, and it could still come back later if something yeah. new materializes and uh, yeah i i think that maybe in the third movie we'll see him confront that character and we'll be able to see his growth in the way he can confronts him but yeah, um, I, I have to agree with steve i definitely got a dr manhattan vibe from electro i thought at first his power set was you know, it was, it was a cool, it was okay, but then when he started dematerializing, and that got awesome. He, yeah, I actually loved Electro. And just, just to add real quick before we talk about it, you know, he blows up at the end, but I could totally see him coming back. I mean, he's dematerialized throughout this whole movie, so mm-hmm. a big explosion. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't get the feeling he's gone. What did you guys think about that? Well, I think considering they're making a movie called Sinister Six... <laughs> he's probably coming back since he is one of the Sinister Six, isn't he? Yeah, he well, was in the original. Yeah, they they did show a lot of who the Sinister Six is going to be. Totally. So you got the Doctor Octopus, you got the Vulture, you got Rhino. Uh, who else is in there? Goblin, Green Goblin. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and if we count the Electro, that's five. And so then the six could be Craven the Hunter, maybe. Who is the sixth in the original? Um, to Mysterio? Wikipedia. I think Mysterio. I think is. you might be right. Yeah. Ooh, I could see him actually pulling them together. Well, no, well, it looks like uh, this guy who in the credits they called the gentleman, um, or he was also referred to as. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. Something fierce. Freeze. Fierce. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he's the one that's kind of by you know Osborne's in jail, so he's the one that's going around and collecting up the Sinister Six. Yeah, you're right. I could see that. And I like that because that was a good framing sequence. We start out with the guy who becomes Rhino um, just being – again, both villains there, they're caricatures um, that he's the Russian gangster and, and Electro. They're both kind of caricatures of – in their, in their um, secret identity so to speak. But then you see him come out in that mechanical Rhino suit, mm-hmm. which I did not like by the way. Yeah, I didn't like it. It's kind of what they did in the Ultimate Universe, but I still don't like it. Yeah, I you know, was I, not a fan of that. I just thought of something. So the same guy who was this uh, Fierce, his name is Gustav Fierce, he did appear in the post credit scene in Amazing Spider-Man 1, same actor, uh-huh. and he talked to the Lizard. So maybe they could I – mean, Lizard, like, that's the other – that's number six, isn't it? Yeah, they could bring the Lizard in. Yeah. Yep, I think that will be their sixth because – it's all animal theme. That's oh, that's yeah. the thing. Is kind of they're they're all like uh, electro. You think of as an electric theme, except for one thing. He was bitten by these electric eels, and so that's that's one that they kind of okay. It's animal, but okay. I'm, I've just done a I've done a quick search here. Uh-huh. Uh, Wikipedia is telling me the original Sinister, <laughs> Sinister Six were Doctor Octopus, Vulture, Electro, Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, and Sandman. Okay. Huh. Hmm. Craven mm. the Hunter, I don't I don't see being a part of this 
this arc of movies yeah. for Amazing Spider-Man. I'm going to go on a limb and say we will see Kraven the Hunter. I mean, they have they're doing four with uh, Andrew Garfield, so I, I could see him coming up eventually. They're not going to do Sandman probably. Uh, Mysterio could work. I, I'd love to see Mysterio on Craven the Hunter. Craven actually... works as a, a standalone movie, I think. I mean, just the whole idea of I'm going after the 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 prey, the mm-hmm. ultimate prey, um, not just the deadliest prey with with being a human, but he's Spider Man. That's a that's a standalone movie, and it could be a fantastic one. I think yeah. if they did it. Well, you know, Sinister Six and um, Venom, the other the spinoffs that they're doing here off of this in this universe, they're coming out after Spider-Man Three. So we still have to feel the uh, repercussions from that movie before we can really guess what those other storylines might be about. Hmm. Okay. I'm, at the end of this conversation, let's talk a little bit about the spinoffs because that's it, it's interesting what they're doing. Well, what else do you want to talk about? I mean, we mentioned editing. I feel like there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Some of it, like we've said, I think makes it better, but some of it makes it you feel like you you missed you missed something. Yeah. Like and, when Harry Osborne is is you know, he's just got the injection of the venom and he's crawling on the floor. He's he's like mutating into, you know, the 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 goblin face and and hair and stuff like that and everything. He's 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 obviously like in pain, crawling across the floor and he crawls over to the green goblin outfit and you see a couple of little flashes here and there and all of a sudden he's inside the the outfit and you're like how did he get there? <laughs> More importantly, why? I'm yeah. watching him and he's desperate to get there like he knows that's what he has to go to. Why yeah. is he going there? Why does he care? Sort of, it was like a healing suit that almost seemed like. It did have a healing effect. But, like a medical, yeah. But it had nothing. I mean, it was made, made for battle on the mm-hmm. battlefield. But they never, ever mention anything about it being a healing thing until he puts it on. And then all of a sudden, science, magic yeah, exactly. healing, you know. And, and on top of all that, I mean, <laughs> what you guys are saying is totally true. And then after that. He instantly knows how to use all the weapons. So he's flying on a glider. Mm-hmm. He's throwing pumpkin bombs. He's got the crazy knife thing that he was using. So I might yeah. have downgraded my grade. Why would there be pumpkin bombs? <laughs> Why would there be pumpkin bombs? I don't think it's so much. Uh, I don't think it's meant to be a pumpkin bomb. I think it's well, just orange. A bomb that looks like it. Yeah. But it, it, it was, a, I mean, for us, it's a pumpkin bomb. Yeah, it's definitely a reference to that. It's definitely meant to be. When you see it, you're supposed to think pumpkin bombs. Yeah, exactly. And he, yeah, so I thought that was funny that he just instantly knew how to fly in that thing and use all the weaponry. See, here's what I thought was happening. And they never, they never mentioned this, but I thought he's like, oh, the guards are coming. I must defend myself. Mm -hmm. But they don't play it that way. The scene is not played that way. And then you never see him fighting the guards. And then he gets in, and it's a healing suit. And I'm thinking, well, that's why he's so desperate to get to it. He wants to get to the healing suit before, you know, he dies or whatever. Right. And, but again, that's not something you know. The guard thing would have happened afterward, but didn't. The healing thing we should have known about before, but we didn't. So as tight as the movie is, as far as setting things up to be knocked down later on, there's things that they that get knocked down that never got set up. No, and there's one more thing we haven't mentioned. At the end of the movie, he looks back to normal, basically. And and uh, Fierce does say something like, oh, you're looking better. But there's no explanation for He why. says it comes and goes. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, but still. Not. It doesn't make sense. But it comes and goes. All right. Yeah. But they, they did allude to that with his father. Where his father had the long nails and the green tone to his skin and mm-hmm. slightly pointed ears. Um, by the way, the uh, Norman Osborn is uh, Tex Richman from The Muppets. That's the only thing I knew him from. <laughs> but Tex Richman. All I could think of when I was seeing him was just maniacal laugh. Maniacal, maniacal laugh. laugh. <laughs> I, I like that actor, Chris Cooper. I hope he's back. I mean, they said he died, but who knows? I, I'd like to see nope, him again. He didn't see a body. And, exactly. And Harry, uh, the actor Dane DeHaan, he's great too. I mean, he, this guy just looks like a villain. I mean, <laughs> you know, outside of any movie he's in, he looks like a bad guy, but he's a great actor. I think, but that's why I'm forgiving of the movie. I like the characters, and mm. I'm willing to go with the characters where they're going. Even if where they're going comes from some magic logic, yeah, you know <laughs> that oh, we must go to this place to get this thing. Why? Because, yeah, <laughs> someone <laughs> said something that might have alluded to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you like the framing element of the Rhino story, but I hated Paul Giamatti's performance. Not not necessarily. It's not even his fault. Just. The portrayal of Rhino in this movie just seemed like a laughable Russian bad guy. I mean, there's nothing to the character. I mean, maybe they'll have something. Obviously, he's set up to be in future movies. But uh, I like Paul Giamatti in general. I just I think this character was my least favorite of all the characters in the movie. I didn't say I like the Rhino, though. I just like the framing of it, yeah. where it starts with what him and oh, ends with him. How they actually portrayed him, though. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was too much. The same with Electro. Electro was too much of this bumbling geek. He shouldn't have been quite yeah. that extreme. And oh. the same with the same with this Russian mobster. Shouldn't have been this extreme. He's a doofus. I mean, they play him as comic relief, which you need in a movie like this. But they could have toned it down a little bit and not had him be such an idiot. Um. Oh, you're there again. Oh, I don't like you. I'm going to. Try and punch you with my arm, but I can't reach out the window. Oh, never mind. Oh, uh, uh. I'm stupid. Uh. Of course I'm stupid. He's Russian. He's stupid, right? Um, All Russians are stupid unless they're super spies no, and, and female, and then no, they're the Black Widow. No. And they're amazingly brilliant. Okay. No. But, well, um, too much of a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> you mean for an entire race of people? <clears throat> Or entire nation of <laughs> people, just, I should say. I'm just saying. Spoiler, the whole nation. Stereotypically. <laughs> yes, stereotypically. <laughs> and this does nothing to help fight the stereotype. No. But um, let's talk about the last scene. That's the last thing I really want to touch on. And then you guys can, if there's anything else that we're missing, you can, can get into that. But the last scene was edited wrong. It really bothered me. Uh, Peter Parker – well, Peter Parker hasn't been Spider-Man ever since Gwen died. And we go through three three in seasons and the way they do it where he's just standing at the grave in different clothes, different times of the year. I like that. And then they, they – they're talking about, OK, this guy has been broken out of prison. We need Spider-Man. Aunt May says something, you know, kind of alluding to, wow, boy, you know – the city really needs spider-man and does she know or doesn't she she could she couldn't we don't know she does know right don't you think she does i think she does 
Yeah. Yeah. I, even in the first movie, it seemed like she did. And she laid it down even more in this movie. I was actually waiting for her to just to say, I know you're Spider-Man. Get out there. No, that'll be in the next movie probably um, right before she dies or something. Ooh. But um, but then you have this whole thing with the kid. Now, I loved the interaction that he had with the kid when he rescues the kid from the bullies. He's like, did you make this? You're, this is awesome. you know. So the kid has been inspired by Spider-Man. Then the kid happens to be where Rhino is. I'm okay. Movies. It's okay. Yeah. Movies do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he's in his Spider-Man costume. Again, mm-hmm. it's cool because Spider-Man has been gone for so long. Yeah. And this kid is – Spider-Man changed his life. And so the kid runs out to stand in front of Rhino. Now, here is my problem. That does nothing for anything in the sequence here as far as pushing anything. He's already on his way. Peter has already decided, I'm on my way. I'm going to stop Rhino. He should have looked at the TV, seen that kid as Spider-Man go out and stand in front of Rhino, which when you see that image, it's a wonderful image. Of the little kid just going and standing in front of Rhino as if to say, I'm Spider-Man, even if I'm not. You know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just the same feel. Peter Parker should have seen that and said, oh, my goodness. What am I doing? I'm the one who's supposed to be doing that. He runs out the door, leaves Aunt May behind and goes and gets there, you know, and tells the kid, you are the bravest kid I've ever seen. Get out of here. And then he goes to fight Rhino. And you get that last sequence where he's swinging the manhole cover and we cut to black. That kid should have been what pulled Peter Parker's head out of his butt to actually act. You have Aunt May dropping subtle hints and you have this kid not being subtle at all. But instead, the kid goes out there and it means nothing for Peter Parker's arc for his character. It's just a really cool looking thing. And an interesting thing. And so he comes and, yeah, that, hey, you're awesome, kid. It shouldn't have been, you're awesome, kid. It should have been, you inspired me, kid. You know, I'm back in the saddle because of you. No, yeah. that's me. But it, it really put, uh, for all the goodwill that I'd given the movie up until that point, it really just felt like, it just fell flat for me at that point. Now, I liked the ending, though, where Spider-Man's back in action. He swings the thing. We don't see how he defeats the Rhino. We don't have to. All we know is from this point until the next movie, Spider-Man's back. And he's going to be doing stuff. And unlike Dark Knight Rises, where Batman disappears in the shadows in the Dark Knight and never goes back (laughs) until, you know, eight years later. um, We know we've got Spider-Man stories happening that we aren't going to see because – it's happening between these two movies. Yeah. That's just me, you know, but that's, 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 I, I, that bothered me. It really just felt wrong. It was just the wrong editing there. And editing was a big problem I had with the entire movie. Yeah. I feel like I should downgrade my grade. (laughs) 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 So any, any other last things you guys want to touch on before we wrap this up? Yeah, there's a few things we have to hit. Like we didn't talk about the fact, I mean, off the air, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but there was a reference of Felicia in this movie. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Felicia, who we know is Felicia Harding, the black, black cat. cat. In, in almost every way, Catwoman of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> She's right. a bad guy that becomes a good guy. A thief. A romantic a thief. interest. Yeah. Yep. So, um, But I think it looks like in this one they may make her 
more bad than good. Although if they play their cards right, they need to think of heroes that can get out of the spider universe. They could make her a star of her own vehicle, possibly. Well, I mean, you, you can definitely see where this, this arc could go, where he falls in love with Mary Jane, but he doesn't want to have the same thing happen that happened with, with Gwen Stacy. And then all of a sudden this superhero girl shows up with, you know, maybe powers, who knows what she has in this in this version. And all of a sudden he says, well, hey, here's, you know, here's a, a person where I can, you know, and, and I don't know her secret identity. So it's not like anyone, if, even if they catch me and say, who's the black cat, I have no idea. Or if something you know? happens to her, yeah, it's not the real person that's ha- it's happening to. One of the best elements of Batman Returns for me is that you have Bruce Wayne falling in love with Selina Kyle. But on the flip side, you have Batman and Catwoman with their relationship. And then you have that moment where they're dancing together and they realize, oh, you're the same. You're you're him. You're her. But that relationship, that element could be – I think, Steve, you could be onto something of Spider-Man and Black Cat have – it's a love triangle. But it's a love triangle where Peter Parker and Spider-Man are kind of two separate points instead of the same point. Mm -hmm. And – you have Spider-Man and Black Cat, Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Yeah, totally. I could see that working. Yeah. That's a great idea. You should be I'm, writing Spider-Man 3. I'm patenting that that idea right now. Because <laughs> no one has ever done that before. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, except for Batman Returns, you know, 20 years shh, ago. Shh, don't tell them. <clears throat> but anyway. There's another uh, Spider-Man villain that appeared, Alistair Smythe, uh, played by <laughs> BJ Novak from The Office. <laughs> yeah. And, and this guy eventually, if they stick with the comics, he becomes the Spider-Slayer. And he's positioned. Yeah. He's in the right position yeah. to do that. He's working for Osgore. And he he could easily get into that tech. And But, I mean, how many movies are they going to do? Well, they, they've signed for four. So every two years, we, we know for sure they're going to have um, Andrew Garfield up until 2018. And then after that, who knows? I mean, we've talked about how they want to build a Spider-Man cinematic universe just like Marvel did and just like Star Wars is wanting to do and just like DC is wanting to do and uh, so they have already signed on to do uh, the Venom spinoff and the Sinister Six spinoff. Uh, they can do Spider-Man indefinitely. They basically have to. They keep the rights. Yeah, they do. Okay, so Spider-Man 3. What's what's the order that this is happening in? Uh, yep, Spider-Man 3, 2016. And then after that, Venom. And then, uh, well, I guess I don't know which one comes out first, Venom or Sinister Six, but likely Venom first. Um, and then, but like I said... The Spider-Man 4 movie will come out in 2018. So basically a Spider-Man movie every year starting in 2016. Yeah, they could do that. And, okay, so Venom, the, uh, it must be Venom might be part of Spider-Man 3. That's that's my exact thought. They, I think the Venom, and they did have some, when, they, when Harry loaded up uh, the files, there were a bunch of different, again, Easter eggs for people that know things about the comics. And so there was... There were allusions to Venom, to I think to Craven the Hunter. Um, I didn't Rocky. read. I could not read any of those things. Yeah, so there were some little clues in there. So I, I believe Venom will be probably the main villain in Spider-Man Three, but maybe become a hero by the end, so he can get a spinoff. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> if they play their cards right and do it right, Spider-Man Three should be about Venom and Peter Parker dealing with the oh. symbiote. Yep. And so the end of Spider-Man 3, and this is the way they should have done the original Spider-Man 3, is it's all about the symbiote costume and separation from the symbiote. Venom is not even in there. 
And so then you do the Venom movie, and it's the symbiote costume finding another host. And the yeah, movie – and so then Spider-Man 4 is Spider-Man versus Venom or something like that. But And Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. My goodness. I mean, I don't know how I they're going to do all this. But I think that's the smart way to go is you have the symbiote, and he's dealing – okay, so Spider-Man 3 – He's dealing with some villains that are going to be a Sinister Six, but we haven't seen yet. And he's dealing with them with the symbiote costume. And then that gets separated, and then Venom is the symbiote finding another host. Spider-Man 4 is Venom and the Sinister Six coming after Spider-Man. Or maybe. Venom and Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. Well, maybe, maybe. I don't I think, think Venom has to be the anti-hero. How about this? How about Venom, the costume... Right, the the symbiote mm-hmm. comes down, and initially, that's Black Cat's costume. That'd be interesting. So oh. she has she has superpowers. She has the symbiote's powers, and so S- Spider Man says, "I can have a relationship with this person because she has superpowers." But uh, F- um, F- Felicia, Felicity, whatever her name is, she physically doesn't have the superpowers. So when the symbiote leaves her, she's just back to a normal human again. And then, you know, hilarity ensues. So whatever, you know, whatever happens after that happens after that. Okay. Yeah. I honestly think the Venom story or the black suit or the symbiote, you know, I think that has to be a part of Amazing Spider-Man 3. But if we look back at the Sam Raimi trilogy, the third installment of that was a Venom story. So will they shy away from it because it would line up too perfectly with the last set? I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe we're looking at this wrong in that the Venom movie just kind of happens on its own. And at the end of the Venom movie, your your post credit scene is, well, first of all, an advertisement for Avengers 3. But then your post credit exactly. scene is um, Andrew Garfield finding the, the symbiote. And so Spider-Man 4 becomes symbiote. Okay. You know, I don't know. There's, It's so weird to me that they're building a Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems to me like that's to... not it's not wise but I don't know well I mean just think of all the other heroes that can be in the in those roles you know well that's just it. they can't do an Avengers because it's who's the hero in the Spider-Man universe it's Spider-Man he doesn't even have a Robin really yeah that's the problem there aren't really any other hero level characters in the Spider-Man universe that now Sony owns the rights to that could hold their own movie. Venom is the closest thing, but I mean, are they going to do the clone saga so we could have, I mean, (laughs) that's not worth it because you'd still have the same actor having to play the the clone. So, well, who does Sony actually have the rights to? I mean, or can they get the rights to? They primarily are. I mean, it's, it's Spider-Man characters. Yeah. Right. But I mean that, how far does that leak over? Not you know, far. I don't. Exactly. I, don't, I mean, well, it, it, a good a good comparison is you know uh, Fox has the rights to the X Men characters, Quicksilver yeah. and Scarlet Witch are X Men characters, but they're also Avengers characters, and so both companies have the rights to those characters. Right. But for Spider Man, it's it's mostly, and this is me saying this without knowing the exact details, but it's mostly supporting cast. It's Flash Thompson, mm-hmm. it's uh, Betty Brant, it's JJJ, and it's villains. But for instance, who has Daredevil? That's back to Marvel. Marvel. Marvel Disney Marvel? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there are characters like that who you would think, okay, Daredevil is more in the Spider-Man universe than anything else. But, you know, Marvel has has the control of that. 
the only thing Sony has is Spider-Man. They never had any other right, but license I, from them. Where I, I just want to see where the leaking go. I mean, obviously, if they have Black Hat, they have you know they have Black Hat. They have the the Sinister Six. They have you know lots of other characters to choose from. I mean, there's thousands of characters potentially that mm. they could say are Spider-Man characters. But how many of those are heroes? I don't know. That's, that's the thing. Just that's, it. What I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Who knows? Beyond Where's Ben Riley, which you know, I just there was a short time <laughs> where Spider-Man had a almost sidekick-like character named Alpha. This is pretty recent history. I, it's mm-hmm. a, a teenage character. I don't think they would go that direction, but that's the closest thing I can come to. Yeah, it's just Power Pack. Well, that's Power Pack is. That's I want to say that that's Marvel Disney right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Because that's just it, is they parsed out so many of these and packaged these out. So with X-Men, it's basically all mutants. Right. You know, except for some of the crossover with Avengers characters. Um, And with Spider-Man, I just – I have a feeling that Spider-Man is the hero that Sony has. Because Mm -hmm. the other thing is like Universal has Namor. Now, Sony – or Disney – Disney Marvel haven't really done anything to get Namor back – because hey, it's it's Submariner. I mean, who cares? But that's what Universal has, and and so I I just um so yeah. Oh, we want to make this like the Avengers universe. What can we do? Well, we have lots of bad guys, mm-hmm. so we'll make a bad guy Avengers. I don't know. We need to wrap this up though. <laughs> so. wait, wait, before we wrap it up, Stanley. We uh, you know, on my oh, show yeah. we love Stanley. So how does this cameo rank with some of the other ones you've seen? You can't see my thumb down, but you'll hear this. <laughs> um, it, it was the one interesting thing is that was quite possibly the librarian from the first movie. This yeah, is quite possibly the first returning Stan Lee cameo where he plays the same character twice in one movie or in one that's movie a, franchise anyway. That's a good point. Um, but his line was stupid. Yeah. He was uh, and, it was and awkward. it was awkward and the geography of where he was pointing didn't line up with where I thought Spider-Man was. And it kind of threw me off a little bit there. He's like, hey, I know that guy. You see him in a mask. You cut to Stan Lee. Hey, I know that guy. And then you cut back to him. He doesn't have the mask. Who's he? Is he yeah. saying, hey, I know that Spider-Man. And he's the only one who saw him before he took his mask off. I don't. It was a dumb cameo other than. It was the librarian, possibly. But yeah, before he had that line, I thought his cameo was just going to be the crowd shot of him, and I was like, "Oh, poor Stan! How far he's gone!" No, no. <laughs> see, that's cool. At, at that just point, a, just a crowd shot. You yeah, like that yeah, just a crowd shot without even a, a stupid line. It's just, I'm the librarian at the graduation. Yeah. That's all you need. You could have then had him in the crowd after the, the the you know have him sitting in the crowd with the where they're doing the graduation ceremony and then have him walk past him or something and you know and, and talk to Aunt May should, that's that's what you should have had happen Stan Lee should have been flirting with Aunt May <laughs> oh, 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 hey. oh hi uh hey baby <laughs> you know, you know as, when it comes to my last thoughts in the movie I, I wanted to bring this up earlier but this is this town New York especially in the Spider-Man universe, they must have barricade patrol officers. And I bring this up because in every scene where there's a fight, there's suddenly barricades and tons of apparently like fans of big fights just ready to watch them. So we've got, you know, we've seen the scene with Gwen Stacy and all the people around, but 
the barricades are like there in a second. Like as soon as Electro shows up, bam, ready to go. So, yeah, but they put him like twenty feet away from the bad guy. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't. Why don't you the push the crowds are, back? Exactly. All the cops are hiding behind cars, getting shot at, and no. then like right next to them are the, all the people just watching. Like, oh, yeah. we're good. But the barricades came up so fast. There was only one cop on the scene. Yeah. He, he's like so, he's calling it in. I love the part where he starts clearing people. You know, he's like, uh, "Excuse me, yeah. you got to move. You got to move." Yeah. And he, you know, approaches. But yeah, maybe they just had the civilians bring out their own barricades. Yeah, that, that's got to. They're like, you can watch, but only if you bring a barricade and yeah. set it up. Did you guys hear the numbers? Uh, Ninety-two million it made here in America, but then worldwide, three hundred and sixty-nine million it's made so far. You're kidding? No. Wow. Yeah. So it's a huge hit. And I think it deserves to be. I like I said, I was along for the ride for the emotion with the characters. There were some dumb script things, there were some leaps in logic, but ultimately, I really I enjoyed the movie and I felt it was a dollar well spent. <laughs> Even if I paid full price, I would have been happy. Um, yeah, so I, I was I was pleased, and I'm ready for another with with Andrew Garfield. Me too. So. Yeah, I'm signed on to the the series <laughs> as, as a as a fan, I guess. Matt, where can people find you online? Yes, you can go to thesci-fi-christian.com and check out my podcast, The Sci-Fi Christian. It's on Not just any sci-fi Christian. It's <laughs> The Sci-Fi Christian. It's on iTunes. Um, we link to it often. And yeah, you can find it. It's basically a show a lot like Strangers and Aliens, um, other than they post a lot more than we do. So, um. <laughs> I, I've thought about this recently. I've been As I've been listening to your episodes, we have similar – like we come at our shows from a similar point when it comes to theology and science fiction, but we have totally different episode conversation or you know episode ideas. So, yes, and and uh, types of t- the way we tackle topics, it's de- there's definitely different personalities going on. There. Yeah, so I love that. So, but I love being able to do episodes like this with you because I, I enjoy engaging with, with 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 what you bring to things. So totally that's why agree. I was happy. When you when I told you, oh yeah, Steve is going to join us, and you said, oh, I don't have to. And I'm like, no, no, this is this is good because. Yeah, at first I, I thought that you needed me because Steve and Jace weren't watching it, but then when I heard that you had your actual host ready, I was like, you know, don't feel obligated. I don't want you to have to have me on the show. So no, we, I'm, we, I'm glad we to be here. Yeah, and we, we bring in guests for the summer movie series often anyway. Um, and I believe you'll be coming back for Godzilla. Yes, I'm. I'm pumped for Godzilla. That's only two weeks away. Yes. And, yes. Um, you know, I'll be seeing a lot of the movies that you'll cover, so I'll be excited to listen to your episodes too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, any any final words then, gentlemen, before I I uh, press the stop button? Um. Uh, how about uh, uh, Cloak and Dagger? <laughs> you know what? They might be. No, I've heard things about Marvel Disney developing something for them. Oh, really? Wow. But I could see them being a Spider-Man character we'd have to look that up we'd have to find it i don't know but but steve of all characters i could possibly think of that would be the ones that i would say would be most likely to be it's just i mean the the light and the dark you know it's just such a such a cool draw yeah i love those characters yeah that's one that i actually wrote a pitch for nice that didn't get looked at by anyone (laughs) 
but <laughs> but I wrote a pitch. I'll look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't really do much with it. But no, well, I could read it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Matt, any any final words? No, I had a great time talking with you guys and uh yeah, I I enjoyed this movie, so I guess that's all from from me. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, and until next time, thanks for listening and um Godspeed everyone. Thanks for listening to the Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. You can email us at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-372-5436. We'd love to hear from you. You can also go to our website, strangersandaliens.com, leave a comment on the blog, or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. We're also on Twitter, Strange and Alien. Check us out. <laughs>